episode number 192 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we are going to be answering some more listener questions. We're going to answer how do you bring yourself to go back to running, how much is enough, when should you stop, and also a quick update on our running journeys because you guys have asked, so stay tuned. This is the Real Life Runners podcast and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so we've got another listener Q&A episode. I love these. These are so fun. Um, So thank you to everyone that sends in questions for the podcast. We love to answer your questions and really help you guys out with those parts of your training that you need help with, okay? That's really what we're here for. We're here to help. So if you have a question that comes up during your training and it's something that you think you might want to be answered on the podcast, please feel free to send us an email over at podcast at realliferunners.com um, and just you know let us know that you have this question. We'll either write you back um, or let you know that we'll be covering that in a future podcast episode or maybe both. Yes, maybe both. Yeah. So um, today we're going to be answering three big questions. Okay. So we're going to start off with number one, which is how do you bring yourself to go back to running? Uh, this is the shortest of the topics. This is the shortest. Cause the answer is lace them up and head out. Pretty much. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like I think that a lot of runners fool themselves in thinking that they need motivation, right? We always think that we need motivation. Oh, if I just have a little bit more motivation, then I can get back out there and go running. Yeah, I, I just I'll watch that YouTube video and really get inspired, and then I'll go through my Instagram feed and just hit the inspirational people, and and then maybe I'll watch another YouTube video, and then maybe Rocky, like something I did yeah. in, in another movie, and then and, you spend thirty minutes on Instagram and trying to like get yourself fired up when you could have just gone out and gone for a run. I guess I got to make dinner now. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing, right? Running is a choice. Doing this is a choice. And so you simply have to make the choice to go back and start running. So how do you bring yourself to go back to running? Just do it. Yeah, pretty much. It's really that simple. Like, I know, like, I, I'm, we're not trying to be condescending in any way. We're not trying to belittle anything, right? But it really is that simple. And I just want us to realize that so many times in our lives, we just overcomplicate things that don't need to be complicated. Put some shoes on your feet, tie them up, and head out the door. And just have realistic expectations for yourself, I think, is another part of this. Yes, that's a big one. Like, if it's been a while, if you're coming off of a long gap, and you're like, ooh, I don't know. It's going to be really hard to get back into it. One, you're building that up in your head mm-hmm. that it's going to be hard. Like you've told yourself it's hard before you started. So it's automatically going to feel harder than it should. But you also should have some realistic expectations. Like it's not going to be the easiest thing. It's not necessarily going to be just all sunshine and rainbows for the first couple of weeks. Like getting back into it when you've taken a month or two off or, you know, even longer than that for whatever reason is not the smoothest of transitions to to get back in, but it is still a simple act. Right. So we suggest starting with five minutes, like, and obviously you can do more than this, but like some people, when we tell them this, they're like, well, like, we'll just do five minutes, like go out for five minutes, walk out your door, put your shoes on, walk out your door, 
run out for two and a half minutes, turn around and come back. Because a lot of times we can kind of get over that mental hurdle in our head. Like, well, it's only five minutes. And like some people be like, well, it's not even worth it to just go for five minutes. But like tell yourself that it's worth it because this is the first step. This is how I'm going to get back into my running because you want that hurdle to be very, very low. Like that barrier of entry needs to be low. It shouldn't be like, I need to get back into running. So I'm going to choose and I'm going to sign up for a marathon. Yeah, I mean, people do it. People do it all the time. <laughs> I don't know if it's the right? best method of getting back into it. And, but. you know, you could argue either way on that one, right? And there's there's good um, arguments and, and points on both sides of that coin. But make the barrier of entry low. Like, uh, commit to five minutes of that activity. And then if you, if you come back and you still feel good and you still feel like you want to go out, do that same thing again. So then you're – now you've got ten minutes, right? But just understand that, like, you are starting – fresh depending on like Kevin said how long has it been since you've been running like what's happened in that period of time where were you before you took the break that's also a big one right and understand that walking is okay right like maybe you're not able to go out and run for five minutes straight or maybe 10 minutes straight you know maybe that was just too much so allow yourself to do some walking breaks right decide that you know what I'm gonna do one minute of running one minute of walking and I'm gonna do that five times you know so that you just come up with something or just head out the door. Like it can literally be either one depending on what kind of person you are. Like some people like to plan it out before they go and that's cool. Other people like to just kind of wing it and head out the door. And so whatever works better for you. Yeah, a lot of the people, even if you're a big planner, you can set that up as this like fake obstacle that's preventing you from heading out. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, I don't have a plan in place for the next year, so I definitely can't start today. I'll work on that plan, and then once it's all planned out for the next 12 months, then I can finally head out the door. My shoes are kind of old. I'm not sure. We're asking for 10 minutes. Yeah. Your shoes are fine. Right. Like, for 10 (laughs) minutes, you're going to be okay. And so just stop making excuses. Stop convincing yourself that this is harder than it is. Put your shoes on. Head out for a run. And then email us and let us know how it went. Yeah. Podcast at realliferunners.com. There you go. You can always adjust after day one. Mm -hmm. Like if you go out and you're 10 minutes in, you're like, okay, well, that that was actually not that bad. Now you've started. Now the ball's rolling. Now Mm -hmm. momentum's in the favor of continuing to Mm -hmm. run. Yep. An object in motion wants to stay in motion. Excellent. Thank you, Newton. You're welcome, physics teacher. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It also kind of leads nicely that whole concept of set the barrier pretty low of when is... When is it enough? How much is enough? Which also kind of goes into the category. This was like a two-part question. Someone asked, how much is enough in light of when should I stop? Mm-hmm. And and I read that question like what, in regards to what? Like, you know, and like there's a lot of different ways that we can interpret this. And so we're going to choose a couple. So we picked several. Yeah. So we picked several. So the first one we're going to talk about is workouts. Okay. So if you are in the middle of a workout, and like how how do you know when to pull the plug like how do you know when it's enough how do you know when you should stop yeah uh, it kind of depends on what the point of the workout is which is why it's helpful to know what you're trying to get out of the workout yeah like is it is it something where you're going to try and, and push yourself and you know that you're going to be exhausted and right up to the limits you know that's coming well, then you shouldn't stop because mm-hmm. you fully expect that you're going to be pushing to your physical limits so yeah. just keep grinding right because you know that that's what the point of the workout is right, right. and like i know that you've set work up workouts up for people in the past that you tell them sometimes you tell them ahead of time and sometimes you don't but um you know that that workout was designed for you to fail like i designed that workout 
for you to fail, to see how you coped with that, to see mentally and physically what you did when you saw those paces start to slip away from you. Right. That one's, it's a dangerous tool to use with the online coaching. Well, and that's why you have to use it sporadically. You have to have a coaching relationship with someone by that point already established. Yes. And you have to have a pretty good idea that you can throw that kind of workout at somebody and it won't just like mentally shatter them. Crush them. Yeah. Yeah, Because you, it's the workout that is designed that you know that there's no chance that you're actually going to finish the thing. And maybe you can get the, the volume in, like it's, 20 quarters like you could run 20 quarters but you're not hitting the pace anymore by the 20th one Mm -hmm. so what happens like do you just throw the towel in or do you keep pushing and still try and at least get the distance in it it, kind of depends on what you're trying to get out of the workout right so it you know that's that's a good thing like if you are going into a hard workout that you know is going to be a hard workout is to just keep pushing and see when you know, like what your body is going to do. Like, so in that case, you really shouldn't stop unless you have like a sharp shooting pain. Yes. Okay. Like, so pretty much across the board, if you have a sharp shooting pain that develops during your run, you should stop. You should pull the plug on that workout no matter what it is. If it's a dull ache, different story, right? Because dull aches can be different things. Dull aches can be just muscle soreness, muscle fatigue. Like that could just be what that workout is supposed to be causing. Yes, that workout's designed to cause dull ache and to see yeah. how you handle yeah. constant, slowly, gradually increasing dull mm-hmm. ache throughout your body. Right, but if you start the workout with knee pain, say you have like a little twinge or something and you're like, ah, it's okay, I think I can run through it. And then through the course of that workout, that knee pain, that very specific pinpoint knee pain, or even if it was generalized knee pain, like mm-hmm. say you have arthritis in your knee, right? And that knee pain starts to get worse and worse and worse over the course of the workout that's a good time to pull the plug as well because you're just causing more inflammation right that's that's the thing is you know you point out it's inflammation like is it inflammation from an injury that was essentially there before you started the run Mm -hmm. or is it something that like really showed up sharp and stabbing during the run Mm -hmm. you need to pull back you need to pull off call it a day you're you're done with that one you know the other one is you start the workout and rep one you're already off the pace maybe that's not the day for your speed day. Mm-hmm. Maybe you look back and try and see the bigger picture and like, actually, I really didn't, I kind of skipped lunch today and I didn't get a whole lot of sleep. And the last three days have been a lot with my family and work mm-hmm. and what, like, and yada, yada, yada. There's right. all this stuff. And I think that like, you know, a lot of people, especially like on our training team or in our tribe, like we've kind of hammered in this message of I'm a runner and I do hard things. And that's true, right? And it is important to push through on those days that it's a smart idea to push through. But like Kevin was saying, if you're in there and you're trying to hit a workout, say you're trying to hit a specific pace and you do the first rep and you're not even close or you're just off and you know how, based on how you feel, how tired you are after that first rep, that the rest of the workout is not going to go well. You know, when you've been running long enough, you probably have that inclination of kind of knowing like especially if you you know okay maybe I haven't fueled well maybe I'm really tired maybe I'm really stressed like all these things are adding up that might be a great time to to pull that the plug on that workout and then just see look at the rest of your schedule and see if you can maybe um, switch things around maybe make that day an easy day make that day a rest day whatever it might be and then try to put that workout on a different day if possible and if it's not possible if like you know say you're at the end of the week and you have a long run scheduled and you shouldn't put a workout and a long run back to back then you just pull the plug and you just skip that workout because overall in that big picture like Kev said 
it is going to be better for you. Yeah, missing a workout is never going to end everything. It's like, oh, well, my entire three-month training plan is completely shot because I missed that Tuesday workout. Mm. It's it's never completely shot because you missed a workout. Right. And then, you know, depending on the kind of person you are, it's also not shot if you miss a long run. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, man, I was really looking forward to that workout, then do that workout on the weekend instead of your long run. Like, you are allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. That's completely capable. Right, and you can <laughs> modify things as well and maybe put it in into a long run, but that's if you're if you've been training a long time and kind of know what you're doing. Yes, that's or good have point coaches here. to guide you. Either way, also a good point. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the concept of how much is enough. When should you stop? As it relates to run walk. Oh, the run walk. The like, what's a good interval? Uh, that's such a personal question of what is the appropriate run walk interval. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I always like to go back to is, um, you know, the run walkers that we get of the kids who are fairly new to cross country that come out in the fall. It's like 112 degrees and I'm not exaggerating. It's 112 degrees and they've never run before. They need a run walk interval that's going to be possible that they can safely go out for a run and make it back. Yeah. And so it's like, well, why don't you start with a minute? Mm-hmm. And then try walking for two and let's see how that goes. And this one goes back to like the first question of how do you get yourself into it with a low barrier of entry? Like start with something that you know that you can do. If you're like, oh, well, I'm pretty sure I could run for three minutes. Great. Then your interval should be two minutes of running. Because if you know you can run for three, then if you have to stop at two before you get to that, I need to stop because I can't run anymore, you'll be able to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Right, so stopping before you need to is actually a good idea because then you aren't just kind of totally draining the tank, especially if you're going out for an easy run, right? Mm-hmm. Again, we're going back to the what's the point of that run. If it's an L8 run and you are supposed to be draining the tank, then those are going to be shorter intervals anyway, yes. right? If we're talking about just kind of a, a casual, easy L2 run that you're going out and you do a, a run-walk because you just prefer a run-walk program, you should feel totally capable of continuing on when that running interval stops. Yes, yes. And we've got a bunch of, of people inside of our program that they do run-walk intervals. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've put workouts on there that's like, okay, try and stretch it and see if you could run for a 5-1 instead of your normal like 2-1 or 3-1 mm-hmm. or whatever. And they can. Yeah. They're totally capable of doing it. It's just that it's better to repeat over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. They get into a nice little rhythm of like, actually, I like to go for like 2.30 and then a 30-second break. And so every three minutes, I just start it up again. That's totally fine. Every once in a while, stretch that distance out and see what it feels like to stretch it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But not every time. Every right. time is too much. Right. And I like to relate this to puppy training now because we have a puppy. That would be a good quick update on our running. We can do a little puppy update as well. But, um, you know, we have a puppy and I joined an online puppy training program because I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know how to raise a dog. I've never had one before. I mean, we had dogs when when I was a kid, you know, but we did not. I I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. And I was not in charge of raising the dogs. Right. So, um, we joined an online program and one of the things that she teaches is the zones, the puppy zones of like um, energy levels, right? So there's zone one that's like nice and calm and then zone two is playful, zone three is energized and zone four is over threshold. Like the puppy is like going crazy, which 
we've definitely seen many times already in the first week. Yep. And you just can't, you can't train them. You can't play with them. You can't rationalize with them. They're just off the chain, right? And so you want to stop play before you get into zone four. You want to stop play while they're still safely in zone three to make sure that the play ends on a good note. Yes. So this is, this is the idea behind the run walk is you want to start your walk interval before you desperately need to start your walk Mm -hmm. interval. You could still be running if you wanted to. That's when it's time to flip to the walk. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Anything else about run walk or should we get into racing? I think it's the big thing I wanted to cover on run walk. Yeah. Walk before you need to. Walk before you need to, especially if that's, you know, how you want to do that run. Um, Okay. Let's go into racing. When do you pull the plug on a race? Like during a race? Sure. Okay. Um, Never. I mean, I I would argue that, but it depends on, again, let's talk about your goal, right? Going into this. So overarching principle, sharpshooting pain, you always want to stop, even if you're in a race, right? I mean, it again, depends, right? If you're, what if you're running a marathon and you're about to hit a BQ? Yeah. Right? I, I, like, might, I might push through the sharps having pain. Should you? You know, and again, you weigh it out, right? Is it worth long? What if that is like a stress fracture that is forming and if you keep running on it, it's going to f- turn into a full-blown fracture? That definitely happens to runners. Oh, totally happens. 100%, right? Yeah, and it definitely happens and to runners. And professional runners, too. It definitely happens between mile 20 and 26. <laughs> Where it's like, man, my calves are really sore. Man, I got that sharp pain on the outside of my calf. I'm pretty sure I just broke my leg. Mm -hmm. I mean, and there are people that have run on broken feet before. Like, I have a friend who um, is pretty sure that she broke her foot, I think, mile three miles into like a 30 mile run. Oh, God. And then continued to run on it. Like, Uh you know, so there's different. Again, reasons, right? What is happening? Um, someone might argue that if you feel that sharp shooting pain and you're at mile 25 of a, your first marathon, you're going to keep going and you're not going to quit, right? And these are the decisions that you have to make for yourself. Um, I think it's helpful to maybe think about it ahead of time also, right? Like, what would I do if this happened? That's a really good point is kind of think about that ahead of time. You don't want to dwell on it. No. You don't want to dwell on the whole, you don't, because you don't want to put that out to the universe Yeah, you too don't want to manifest that what? negative thing. What if I broke my foot at mile 25? Would mm-hmm. I hobble across the finish line? Mm, would it matter what pace I was at for the first 25? Like, right. But, you know, it's something useful to consider mm-hmm. of what what are you trying to get out of this race? Right, because you see professional and elite runners pull out of races all the time. This one I was going to reference. Yeah, and I never understood it until you and I had a conversation about it. Oh, well, there's, there's bonuses involved. Right, and I was like, why would they pull out? This makes no sense. Like, oh, no, I don't get my PR this time. Like, And I was like... <laughs> Like seriously, like what are you? What kind of example are you showing that you just quit because you're not hitting the time you want? But it's a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, often uh, professional runners have bonuses tied into what place they finish, mm-hmm. and there's various ways that it can get tied in depending on how the contract works. Like you have to have so many like major marathons or major like road races, international road races or whatever, and you have to finish in the top ten or you have to finish in the top three of your particular brand sponsor. Mm-hmm. So if you ever seen like the lead pack of a marathon and it's like nine guys all wearing nike stuff Mm -hmm. only three of them are getting paid 
That's crazy. And man. some of them may be like up for contract negotiation because they didn't finish far enough. So you'll see. But yet guys, they could have finished the top ten of that marathon. Top ten of the marathon, but they were not in the top three of their own particular brand. Which is and so, so you'll crazy. see as that pack starts falling apart. Sometimes the guy who falls off suddenly pulls off to the side of the road and has a hamstring issue mm-hmm. or whatever it is because you don't get a contract renegotiation if you had to pull out of the race you DNF for an injury. Mm. But if you just didn't run fast enough, then you got bigger issues. So interesting, right? Like so, so disgusting. It is disgusting. <laughs> it is one of the uglier sides of the sport, yeah. right? I mean, and, and that's part of... I mean, there's been a lot of people that have started to shine lights on some of the disgusting and dirtiness of the sport of running, just any sport really, but like, you know, how women weren't getting paid when they were pregnant or when they were on maternity leave. And, you know, there's been a lot of um, things coming out lately about this, which I think is so good. Yeah, it's really powerful. I mean, the the one, I think it was, I believe it was Kara Goucher who had to come back and get training really, really quick after she had her son because she was, by contract, had to get so many races in Mm -hmm. during that year, and she was running up against her 12-month time limit. Yeah, and it wasn't a healthy thing for her to do, and she came back, you know, she now talks about it like, I should never have done that, you know, come back after her kid. But yet, at the time, people were, you know, revering her, like, oh my God, look how fast she came back after a baby, right? And then there's other people that are like, comparing themselves like saying like why is it taking me a year to get back into shape it took her just a few weeks and you know there's a lot of other negative you know kind of consequences that come from that yeah I don't know if her husband was still competitively racing at that point in time so she was the primary paycheck so if she wasn't racing it didn't even matter how great she raced like she had to race well enough Mm -hmm. that she counted that as like another major road race that she was able to participate in so that she could renew her contract for the next year not get dropped right so i mean (laughs) when you look at it in this like full context right in the environment that these runners are operating in, it does make sense of why they would pull out if they aren't able to finish the way they should so if we look at ourselves as real life runners one would argue like should you continue if you're not hitting the time that you want if you're not hitting the pace that you want and i think that that answer is just different for everybody, right? But usually the answer is yes. And a good illustration of this was Boston a few years back. Mm-hmm. Was it 2018, the one with the like monsoon that does one? I don't remember which year it was, I but was yeah. Where it yeah, was like, 18, it I was think. super, super cold. It was like wind chill, raining the entire time, 30 mile, mile an hour yeah. winds. And because it's a point to point, it's basically 30 mile an hour headwinds for the race. Crazy. The number of professionals Mm -hmm. that were standing on the starting line versus that crossed the finish line, it was something like 60% of pros crossed the finish line. Like 40% of professionals dropped out of the race because they were like, ah, it's just, it's not worth it. I'm not feeling it today. And it wasn't even a contract thing. It was just like, I'm not feeling it today and I don't want to hold it in these conditions. Mm -hmm. And then you took the non-professional athletes and the numbers were way higher of how many crossed the finish line. Mm -hmm. Like... 80% of of the athletes were crossing the finish line. And then you split it to genders, Mm -hmm. and we're like, okay, now men versus women. And the number of non-professional women that crossed the finish line was like 97%. Way to go, women. (laughs) Way to represent. I love it. But yeah, you know, I think it always just depends on 
again, your goal, right? If you are going into a goal race with the goal to PR and you realize early on that you are not on pace and you are not feeling well to the point where you know, like, I am not going to be able to speed up from here. I mean, one could argue anything can happen on race day, right? But if, if that's like your goal and you're like, Okay, if I could just pull, if you, I, I just stop this race, then maybe I could try again in a couple of weeks right. and not have to fully recover from this marathon or from this half marathon, whatever it might be, right? Um, so then you just basically are, are cutting your losses and decreasing the wear and tear on your body for a future goal. Like in the big picture of your running, it makes more sense for you to just pull out of it so that you can try to hit that goal sooner. Um, you know, on a different timeline. Right. So that's the big answer to when you should stop as far as races is if you're really keyed in on a PR and the conditions, whether it's external conditions or how you are personally showing up on that particular Mm -hmm. day, sometimes it just doesn't pan out and you can look ahead and be like, okay, I got a potential another race in just a few weeks and there's no way I could run this whole thing Mm -hmm. and then come back and get that one. So that's, that's a decent one. Right. But if you're not aiming for the PR, if that's not the primary thing, then why wouldn't you finish the race, right? Mm, Because I would argue that there is something that you can gain from every race that you run. Yeah. Yeah. The last race I ran, Mm -hmm. I knew I was not hitting a PR on that one. Mm -hmm. I was on pace to crush a PR. Mm -hmm. You're talking about Jacksonville? Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. And I mean, at mile, what, 19, as I'm walking down the streets of Jacksonville, I was like, okay, so well, there goes that PR. (laughs) (laughs) You were so on point for it too, the first half. I was flying, but my calves were already feeling it at 13 miles. I was like, this is, this is troublesome. Um, but there was no way I was not making it to the finish line. Mm-hmm. Although you started getting worried that I was not going to show up at the finish I line. I was. I was talking to police officers. I know. Like, I was like, how? Like, because it just kept, like, I knew when you should have been there based on, like, your mile splits and, you know, all the split times that I was tracking throughout the race. Yeah, there was a I'm big like, gap at the end he? that you didn't hit a split. There was a big gap at the end, yeah. And um, it just, I started getting really nervous. And I was like, no, no, girls, the, daddy's fine. Da- you know, daddy's <laughs> fine. And I'm just. We're just going to talk to this I'm nice. Gonna, police officer you, you guys stay right there i'm gonna go talk to the police officer and figure out um you know how we can find him please don't let him be lying on the side of the road somewhere that's not lying on the side of the road i was just just gleefully walking down the road and by gleefully, gleefully i mean oh my god my calves hurt so much <laughs> that i could not actually run very much right so but you finished right but i finished because i was not not finishing right why not but there were people waiting at the finish line mm-hmm. and it was important that I made it to the finish line. Right. It was important to me and to like the reason why I was doing it. I wanted to show that I could get back into it and do it. I wanted to show people that I'm going to make it to the finish line. Right, because that was your first full marathon after a series of seizures right. back in 2017. Right. So that was a really big deal. Like the time on the clock, yeah, it would have been nice, right? But it, the point of it was to finish it and to do your best. Yes, Yes, I should have looking back on it. And this is the other part of why you cross the finish line. Because when you cross the finish line and you get the entire experience, I think you gain full lessons. And I'm not saying that you can't gain lessons mm-hmm. even if you pull out midway through. Yeah. But I can gain some pretty solid lessons off of that one of, you know, shoe wear may have been a different choice. Um, 
Well, perhaps, I think you gain different perspective too, right? Yeah, some different perspective, and I, I gained some some good thoughts coming out of mm-hmm. that one of of things to modify going forward. Mm-hmm. What else besides the shoes did you? Shoes, pacing. My fueling was actually pretty good in that mm-hmm. one. That's like some of the best fueling that I've ever done. Yeah, and my stomach didn't bother, and I took in a, a good amount of calories during the race. Um, but I think that. Uh, strength training on my calves specifically to hold that endurance. But I mm-hmm. also think that shoe wear is a, is an issue for yeah, me. Yeah, for sure. So that's kind of what you need to think about with racing is again, going back to what is the purpose of this race? What are you trying to get out of this race? Um, just like we talked about with workouts, right? What is the purpose of that workout? It's all kind of the same thing. So knowing what the pr- point is going into it, if the goal is to finish, if the time, if the goal is to hit a specific time, um, all of those things should play a role in your decision to finish or not to finish. Um, and then finally, we want to talk about this in relation to training cycles. So how much is enough? When should you stop in relation to training cycles? All right. This one I think is actually pretty straightforward because the biggest one is, do you need to shut it down? Like shut do you, what down? Like your whole training cycle. Whole do you have cycle. to like pull back for a couple weeks? Are you just grinding through like a nagging injury mm-hmm. and you actually just need a full week off? Because mm-hmm. that's one of the big ones. Like, if you're in a training cycle and you're building up towards a race, you can modify. You can try and take in, you know, change the plan a little bit, build in like a, a really down week in volume, cross train for a little bit, and then try and get back into the race. But if you don't have an, uh, a looming race coming up there, maybe the move on your training cycle here is to just actually fully pull back. And I think a lot of people have a tendency of not doing that. Mm-hmm. And they got a chance to do it in 2020 when the plug on all races got pulled. Yeah. So there wasn't a race on the head on the horizon. So they were able to take recovery when they needed to. It Mm -hmm. was, you couldn't race hop for 2020. And I think it was cool that like, you know, when you saw all of the records that have been broken, like the American records and the world records and different track events and different things like that, that were broken during 2020, like the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, when races started being run again, like, you know, just by the elites, there's, they were doing very, very small races, but it was so interesting. And a lot of the commentary out there is, yeah, I actually got to pull back. I didn't have to worry about racing so much so that I could actually build my base back up. I could actually recover from this nagging injury. I could actually focus on speed work or hill training or strength training or these different things that a lot of times get neglected because people are just in race training mode, like different every, you know, month of the year. Yeah. Just, it's the constant, well, now I have to peak for this season. Mm -hmm. And now that leads to like the European indoor season. And then I've got to go to the outdoor season. And it's just, you're perpetually trying to peak Mm -hmm. and you never get the chance to just pull back and actually build a quality base. Yeah. Same thing happens as, as non elite athletes, we tend to hop from one race to the next and you're like, okay, well I finished that one and my next race is in two months. So I don't really have time to take a down week. I'm just going to hop right into the next training cycle. Yeah. You need some downtime mm-hmm. and the the nagging injury that just won't go away is the sign that maybe you need to pull the plug on whatever your training plan is yeah. and just take some time off and if if you're like no no, no I, I definitely can't not run sure you can you can flip it over and you can tr- cross train if mm-hmm. like you really have to get a workout in for like your mental break mm-hmm. that's fine but you can have 
of a non-impact workout. Right. And I think that it's then important that if you decide to kind of pull back, take a good look at your training. What led you to that point? Is it because you haven't been taking enough recovery during that cycle? Are you not getting enough sleep? Are you not fueling yourself appropriately and getting the proper nutrition that you need? Are you just, have you just been pushing cycle after cycle, going from race to race to race, and now your body is just like fed up and done, right? Like we all need downtime. And I think that we very often underestimate how much recovery we need. Yeah, no, we definitely underestimate how much recovery we need. And I feel as though given that the last year had like no races in it outside of these handful of very small, essentially glorified time trials for mm-hmm. elites, there weren't a lot of big races. And so now that they're back and they're they're going to come back even more and more, people are going to perhaps swing back with a pendulum too far the other direction and try and just start racing every other weekend. Be like, well, I'm going to run this one and then I got another marathon in a week. And and I'm just going to sign up for all of them because I don't know if any of them are going to get canceled or which ones are actually going to go live because that's what's happening right now. And then God forbid they all go live and you try and run them all. You can't race them all. You can't. No, don't don't do that to yourself. You know, I had this conversation with one of our team members today about like running a race versus racing a race, right? There's two different things and you need to have a good mindset and understand what you're actually doing during that race because some people just love the race environment. So they just love to sign up for races and go out and run races, but know which ones you're actually racing versus just going out and running and it just happens to be in a race and there is a difference. Yeah, no, there's a total difference. And one of the good ways of if you're just running that that race because you enjoy the race atmosphere Mm -hmm. is to do it with a friend who you know is going to be at a pace that you're not racing Mm -hmm. that's a really good point it's a good way to do that one yeah and people like you know sometimes when i say this you know concept people don't understand it they're like well it's a race of course i'm racing you know and then they wonder why they're constantly plateau and they can't get beyond a certain point like it's it's weird it's like every time i race i always hit the same time and it's like well that's because you're not actually training properly for that race or because you're racing too much and you're not recovering or maybe if you're racing all the time you're not getting some of the higher end speed work that you need to be doing and so your body's just plateauing and this is just where you are yeah we got this two years ago in cross country because last cross country season was weird with races but two years ago we had one stretch of the season that it was like race after race after race after race and we took our number one runner and told her you can't race this one all out like we literally forbid her from racing racing it we said mm-hmm. you're gonna hit your your one mile mark at this pace mm-hmm. and your two mile mark at this pace you need to run the whole thing with your sister right yeah <laughs> like you're running the thing with our number it was it wasn't even her sister it was slower than her sister okay like you're running the first two miles with our number five runner mm-hmm. and then then you get to have fun yeah then you get to see how many people can you pass in the last mile of the 5k mm-hmm. as she came across the line and said that might have been the most fun i've ever had i think i could have actually had a shot for winning the thing but man, that was a lot of fun to race. Right. And she still had a good time Mm -hmm. and she got a good workout out of it. And she understood there was a different point to that race. Yes. Yeah. So she still got a good workout, but it was not the like grind it for three miles again that she would have had week after week after week. Right. You know, she didn't need that because she had the mileage and she has the racing know-how that she didn't need another race Mm -hmm. that would have improved her. Yeah. So know when to pull the plug on your training cycle, right? If you are feeling burnt out, if you are feeling like stressed out all the time, if you are getting snippy and snappy with like your family members and people are like, what is going on with you, right? Like those are all really 
good signs also. Maybe physically you're feeling okay, or maybe you're just like, yeah, I'm just a little tired. But if you notice that your patience is a lot lower, that you're just kind of on edge all the time, like those are all signs of overtraining, right? Yeah. And so you need to be aware of those things and maybe pull back for maybe a week, maybe a couple weeks, maybe just ditch the whole cycle, right? It just yes. depends on how far, how deep you are in that quagmire yeah excellent use of quagmire i like that one well, you know what we should do we should like pick a vocabulary word like every episode that to, we have to fit into the yeah, episode that we somewhere have to figure out how to use if you'd like to suggest the next word that we're going to fit into our podcast <laughs> you can send it to podcast at realliferunners.com excellent all right so let's finish up with a quick update on our running because you guys seem to like these apparently so, so let's do it all right so at the beginning of the year, it's now March. Um, this episode's coming out on March 25th. And so at the very beginning of the year, when we talked about our goals, we either did it, it was either the last episode of 2020 or it was like one of the first episodes of 2021. We talked about what our goals were for the year. And so I committed to running, um, attempting to run my mile PR, um, which I am happy to report that I did that. And those of you that are members of the Real Life Runners Tribe over on Facebook, you know this already because I did this about a month ago, I would mm -hmm. say a couple weeks ago. Um, and so I took five seconds off my mile PR and ran a 644. I was super excited about it. Um, I still think I could go faster. My stomach, I was having some stomach issues that morning. I still think you did go faster. Our watches disagreed with each other. Which is interesting because we ran it together. Like Kevin paced me, which was awesome because it was like a total easy run for him. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a fun pace. Yeah. So like yeah. So my watch said 644 and his watch said 639, but I feel like I have to go with my watch at, at best i would maybe average the two sure. we could say like 642 okay but anyway so i was i am very happy like i said i think part of me was like a little bummed because i wanted to be under 640 i wanted it to be 630 something um but a pr was my one of my goals as well right and then we talk about setting different levels of goals so i was definitely happy with that um and it was definitely weird to like go that fast and do some of those training runs that were that fast um and i almost pulled the plug on it but i knew that that was just out of fear that i wanted to pull the plug because i knew how painful some of those speed workouts were and i just didn't want to do the mile um but luckily i did and i am very grateful to you podcast listeners because my accountability for me, putting it out there in January actually made me to go ahead and do that thing um, that I didn't want to do. So I think that's important, right? When you have a goal to speak it out loud, right, and make it real and have people hold you accountable. And, you know, honestly, like, does it affect anyone else's life if I wouldn't have? Absolutely not, right? But I see myself as a person of integrity. And so when I say I'm going to do something, then I am going to do that thing. Unless so, you have the sharp stabbing pain that says you need to pull the plug on your training plan. I didn't. I felt like I might poop myself during, during the, the run. Yeah, during the run, like my GI was like starting to go. And I was just like, I felt like I might you have an accident. I think I think there were some nerves coming in there. there I think were it was some predominantly nerves. nerves more than actual stomach yeah, issues. Yeah, and it's funny though, right? Because like our bodies are just trying to protect us. And so once I like realized that and kind of started laughing about it, the sensation went away. And I basically just accepted the fact. I'm like, okay, well, if I if I poop myself, then I'll just clean myself up afterwards. And then magically that sensation kind of went away. I mean, there, there wasn't any sun <laughs> out. No one really would have noticed other exactly. than me. It well, you, you wouldn't probably have noticed either. I probably would have noticed if you actually... <laughs> 
defecated in your shorts. I mean, it probably wouldn't have been like a big thing. It probably would have been a little. (laughs) I just get the vision of the like race walker from the last Olympics. Well, that wasn't the last one. No, that was was in Beijing. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah. So um, anyway, it is kind of funny the way that our bodies like to try to let us know that we might die. You know, like my body was like sending me this signal and I, I ignored it and kept pushing. And then it sent me this signal and I ignored it and kept pushing, right? Um, because our brains want to keep us safe. And anytime we're doing things like that, it's telling us we should we should stop. It's funny that that was a sensation you got because mm-hmm. you brought it up and I'm like, have I had that sensation? And I never have GI issues. I've 100% had it. It Like once you shut your brain off to enough warning signals, it'll start throwing that one at mm-hmm. you. I usually got it when I was racing the half mile in high school of what are you doing what you just ran a 60 second lap we're done we're not going to do another one (laughs) now see that would be a different thing right like if you're on a track with a lot of people watching you oh you know there were a lot of people watching yeah i don't know if i would have still had the same wherewithal to just keep going and be like whatever i don't care i'm in my neighborhood i'll just walk home and clean myself up it's an all guys school it's not like there were any (laughs) any girls present it was fine of course there were girls present it was a track meet it was our all guys school against the guys from another school oh really yeah that's how we raced (laughs) so anyway so i did my mile i got my pr i'm happy about that and basically since then i've really just been kind of um I've been slightly in maintenance mode and just kind of base building. So I've decided to add a fifth running day. Typically, I only run four days a week. So I wanted to just kind of see how my body would feel with a fifth running day added into my schedule. And I'm keeping that fifth day a little bit shorter and an easier run um, and just kind of like seeing. So I'm, I'm typically only doing like one speed workout a week. And again, this is just in this like maintenance plan, base building phase of just adding in that fifth day, seeing how my body is responding um, before I jump into my next half marathon plan, which I plan to do um, soon after this month, I would say maybe I might start my plan either in April, probably in April sometime. Um, It just kind of depends. I'm going to look at the schedule and see if there's any in-person races. I might do like another solo half marathon in the summer, which sounds absolutely awful um, for us to do that in South Florida. South Florida solo half marathon. I feel like you're going to have to wake up at like three. I know. It's So we'll see. I'm going to take a look at the schedule and I have to kind of map out the weeks. But right now I'm just kind of in this maintenance phase, uh, base building, just playing with that fifth day and, and just kind of getting ready for my next cycle. So I'm allowing myself this down cycle right now. Sounds good. Yep. Um, what about you? I've not had, I did not aim for my lifetime PR in the mile mm-hmm. over the last couple of months. Cause yeah. this season for me outside of running is, is a lot because it's, um, it's the wrap up of, of the school year. Fourth quarter for the school year is always a lot of functions that I have to go to mm-hmm. as a teacher and a lot of like get these awards things yeah, figured out and your letters of recommendation are going like crazy. There's, there's a lot of stuff on my plate off outside of running in addition to teaching in addition to teaching and then you're trying to figure out classes for next year and recommend students and then i'm coaching track which is a bigger time commitment because of all of the different events it's a bigger time commitment than coaching cross country Mm -hmm. plus especially when you don't have an assistant right my my assistant's not there at the start of practice and he's sometimes he's caught at work and just can't get there period so um and there's there's still what do we have 
we don't run two of the events at our school. So say, there's how many events? There's 17 events, but we don't do high jump or pole vault at our school. So mm-hmm. there's still like 15 events That's that, that we're trying to work. Right. I got like 45 kids all doing different things. So it's like, all right, team meeting. This is what everybody's doing. Figure it out. I'm going to come around and, and watch everybody right. simultaneously. Which is insane. So there's yeah, a lot going so, on. So like track season in our house is just, I know that Kevin's stressed. I'm a little stressed. Yeah. And so it's not usually the best time to try and, and ramp things up. And or, try you know, and, add a puppy. Or or add another living being to our house. And mm-hmm. yet there she is. There she is. Just asleep on the floor as yeah. happy as can be. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, she's cute. But we roll with it. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you got to. So you've got track and lots of teaching stuff and all sorts of stuff. But like so many of our listeners, I run for sanity. Mm-hmm. Like, that, it's one of the reasons. Like, I, I am a better person on days that I go out and run. Yes, and, and I encourage that. <laughs> and sometimes there are days that I can't go out and run because I haven't gotten enough sleep or, like, whatever the thing is. And I say, okay, I'm not going to run today. And I'm doing so much better with accepting you are. that I'm... I'm not going to run today. Mm-hmm. And I make the call like early in the day. Not like, mm, I'm probably not going to run, but I may be able to squeeze it in later because if I can't, then I'm going to be annoyed that I can't squeeze right, it because in. The, and then it's just hanging over your head. Right. Right. If you make the decision, then then that decision is done. Right. And then if for some reason you can squeeze it in, then that's a happy surprise. Right. But I certainly don't need to squeeze it in because yeah. I decided early in the day, all right, today's going to be an off day. Mm-hmm. So I give myself a lot of flexibility during track season because things come up yeah. more than they do during like any other time during the, the year. Right. And I think that like in years past, this is when your training in general has kind of gone down the tubes a bit. Yeah. Pretty much every year, February is like my lowest mile month of mm-hmm. the whole year. Yeah. Usually because there's a race in like December, January. Mm-hmm. And so then the combination of, well, I'm going to take some time to recover and it ramps up track season. So I've got this extra big stress and time commitment thrown yeah. onto my schedule. That combo does not lead to a lot of get out the door and do it kind of days. Right. So would you say you've been better this year? Uh, yes. I, I still kept January and February over a hundred miles. Mm-hmm. And awesome. I'm on pace for a, a solid March. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't completely lose it. Last year, you know, I ramped back up my mileage in like March and April because I had all sorts of time built into my schedule. <laughs> yeah. But let's not do that again. No, let's not do that. Let's stay open. So what about races? All right. So races, I had looked at a race, you know, I ran, I ran a self-supported ultra 50K uh, right around New Year's, mm-hmm. New and Year's Eve. on New Year's Eve. And I thought, Hey, 31 miles looked good. What else can I do? And there's a 50 miler near us. It's, it starts down in the keys of Florida and it runs down to Key West. There's a hundred mile race. There's a 50 kilometer race. There's a 50 mile race. I had thought maybe I'll do the 50 mile race. And it, it's somewhere in, I think it's the end of May, beginning of June, somewhere in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact date cause I am not signed up for it. Right. And why did you decide not to sign up for it? It was strongly recommended by my coach. And by my coach, I mean my beautiful, loving wife, that that would not have been the best choice. He says I said no. 
Yeah. Said, Angie said no. He goes, you said no. And I was like, she what do you did. mean I said no? I mean, you looked me in the eye and said no. And I, I, I don't remember this happening specifically. I'm like, that doesn't sound like me. That's why I remember it, because it does not sound like yeah. like her at all. Like, it's usually like, well, are you sure that's the best idea? Why don't we look into it, make sure that, that we can actually handle all this? And there was none of that. There was a, there was a no. Yeah. It's funny, because I was like, well, I, I maybe we should not talk about that then, because that doesn't sound very nice. <laughs> but um, in the spirit of transparency you know I think this is something that might help other people right this might be a conversation that could be helpful so let's talk about why I said no and if I did actually say no but we're not going to debate that and if she 100% said no <laughs> so there is not a debate okay so so <laughs> if I said okay so I said no all right so why did I say no? So there's a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. One, you realize the stress that spring brings to me every year in the first place. Yes. So the idea of taking my mileage and ramping up rather than petering out and not... Like my spring, my, my February, March, April is usually low mileage because I'm so busy. And instead, I would have had to super ramp that up. Well, I already had a super stressful environment. Mm. So that was one thing is you actually knew my own schedule better than I do. Yeah. I mean, are you sure I said no? Or do you think I just said, like, I really don't think this is a good idea? No, no, no. You, you said no. <laughs> <laughs> there was clear I'm eye so contact hung, and a no. I'm so hung up on this because it just doesn't sound like something I would do. But, um, but yeah, maybe... It's something that I felt very strongly about, okay? Because um, like Kevin said, I know how much stress he's under during track season. And now he's still virtual teaching, right? He's still teaching some people in person and some people virtual. And it's just this year for teaching for him alone has already been super stressful. And then I knew track was going to be on top of that and then trying to add mileage on top of that. And then there's the nutrition issue. And and a puppy. But But the puppy was not in the plan. The puppy was not in the picture at that point no the puppy was not in the plan at that point. but there is the nutrition issue of before I can and this has been an agreement that we've had for years is as I start ramping up mileage I need to pay attention to how much I'm eating to make sure that I am eating enough to make sure that I am fueling enough both before I go for a run after a long run like I don't like to weigh myself we don't like to get bogged down in numbers but when I start ramping miles I really I keep a general eye on the number on the scale to make sure that I'm not slipping too too low. Right, you're not losing too much weight. Yeah. Like, and I think this is interesting. And there's a lot of people that want to lose weight during running, and they would look at you and say, "Oh, well, I wish I had that problem." You know, yeah. trying to keep weight on. But this is a real problem, and I am not like Kevin. I am more on the lose weight side of the camps. I mean, I would argue I'm not really on either side right now. I'm very um, much happy with my body i mean could i lose a couple pounds probably but like sure but it's camp so you're making s'mores Ooh, camp i want some (laughs) s'mores s'mores are delicious so but making sure that you maintain a healthy weight and don't get underweight is super important because if you are underweight and you're just not fueling your body correctly then that is putting you at higher risk of breakdown and going back to Kevin's seizures in 2017 we don't know what caused them and there was a suggestion by the doc one of the doctors that we saw that not 
that marathon training caused the seizures. Like, that's definitely not what he said, even though that's what Kevin heard <laughs> when we left the office. Um, you know, he was just kind of talking about just the overall level of stress in Kevin's life, right? That everyone has a threshold and maybe there was five things and then you just added a sixth thing on top of it, whatever it might have been, and that was too much and that pushed you over. So that's why we developed our Real Life Runners training system that we have where we take a look at all of these things, where we take a look at mind, body, and skills, where we have the seven pillars so that we make sure that we are supporting our bodies through smart training, through a balanced training plan, getting enough recovery, getting proper nutrition. All of these things are super important, not only for our running, but just how we show up and how healthy we are as individuals. Right. That's kind of the big reason that 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 race was probably not the best idea. And I'm not going to lie. Like You said no, and I was upset about that. Apparently, I didn't let it be shown very much that I was legitimately upset about that. I mean, I never can tell what you're upset about. (laughs) You know, like it could be track. It could be the puppy. It could be, you know, anything. But I was not happy because I really wanted to run that race. Because it was an actual in-person race, and it was all like socially distanced, like they were doing groups of like six people at the starting line. Mm-hmm. So it was it was going to work out, and yet still be an in-person race. Um, and if you would have come to me and and like we would have sat down and say, Angie, I really want to do this race, then we could have had a better discussion. You know, but again, there needed to be conditions, right? right. And I think that that's really what it comes down to is when you're going for a race that long, if you're doing 50 miles, 100 miles, whatever it might be, what is the goal? Because I know that you would want to race it. It's not that you're just doing it to complete it. Like you would want to race that to see how well you could do. And I know you've said to me before, I think I can win these ultras, right? I think I can win 50 miles. No, I would totally be doing that to try and win it. You would try to win it. Like that's a different level of training than someone that's just trying to compete or to complete. Yeah. Compete versus complete. Yes. Right? Yes. And, I mean, the race is in plenty hot conditions in South Florida. Like, I mean, it's designed... Like, ultras are designed to be purposely painful and ridiculous. Right. And I just think that, like, there's just so much that's needed to train for a race like that, to be able to even try to win a race like that, that when you add in the teaching and the virtual teaching and the in-person teaching and the masks and track season and the end of the school year and, like, all of the other things, like, it just doesn't add up to a good combination. Right. So I'm in a point right now with my training that I still have a good, I got a good flow. I get one or two speed workouts every week. Um, it's not really designed specifically for any particular race, but I've got a good plan. I get a long run on the weekend of reasonable miles and I'm staying on top of all of the other stuff. I mean, you pointed out that this is one of the ways that we got into like the whole seven pillars and our whole like real life runner system. Like this isn't just like a thing that we say, like this is how the two of us train and live because, because mm-hmm. it works. Right. Like this is, this is why we do it. Like this is keeping me safe and healthy and seizure free. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to keep everybody else safe and healthy and, you know, injury free, injury free and, and seizure free too. Yeah. But also seeing what they can do with themselves in a, in a smart, intelligent manner. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what I've got. So, you know, I, I'm training, I'm going to start trying to maybe experiment with different nutrition on the run. 
mm-hmm. of trying to take in even more fuel on long runs. To prep for an ultra. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I have to go out and run 30 miles to prep for it. I can go out and run like 15, 16 miles and try and like super fuel during that and see mm-hmm. how my stomach handles it. Like yeah. that's a good test also because mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that you'll have to do when you're putting in like super long runs. Right. But I think it's also important to just note that like just because neither one of us have a specific race date on the calendar, we're still training, right? We just have a different goal for this training cycle that we're currently in. Right. I mean, I definitely still know what my two speed workouts are each week and Mm -hmm. I'm still monitoring my long run. So I've got three long runs, like three weeks with a long run, and then I got a pullback week and then I kind of keep cycling that. So I've got an eye on everything. It's just not aiming uh, in, in any sort of direct fashion towards a specific race. Right, exactly. So just know that like, it's okay, right? If you don't have a race, like if you go through cycles of your training where you don't have a race, where you're just in maintenance mode or you're in a base building mode and it's okay. Like, yes, you should look ahead. We always like to have goals and we like to have plans, but like you don't have to be constantly training for a race. And I think 2020 obviously taught us that, but I think it, caused a lot of people to get lost because they didn't have a race to train for. So we want to help teach you guys and and show you guys that you can still train. You can still train with a purpose and very intelligently without actually having a race on the calendar. Yeah, but hopefully we will start eventually having races on the calendar. And that doesn't mean that we have to sign up for all of them. No. But we can sign up for some. Yeah, for sure. So I thought this was going to be a quicker episode. Apparently not. So, you know, apparently we can just talk, even (laughs) though we live with each other and talk to each other every day. Although I feel like it has been a little bit of ships passing in the night lately, A lot more of that. Has the puppy doing? Meet me at the softball field. Yeah. Go home and I'll let the puppy out. Yep. I'll meet you there. Um, so you guys know what we're talking about, right? But hey, it's real life and we are still fitting our running into our real life um, as well as all the other things that make us healthy individuals. So if you want to find out more information about our Real Life Runners training team and the proven system that we use to train our athletes, mind, body, and skills in a sustainable, healthy way so that you can fit all of this into your life and you can train with purpose and confidence and clarity and actually get the results that you want, check it out, realliferunners.com forward slash join. We are open um, this week. We are open until the end of the month um, and then we're going to close it down again, take care of our new people, all the new members that come on to our team and then we will reopen it again in April. But if you are ready to take control of your running, to take control of your thoughts and everything surrounding your running, your nutrition, your strength training, to get out of that injury cycle, to train, to be the runner that you know you can be, we invite you to come check out the team and join the, t- the Real Life Runners training team over at realliferunners.com forward slash join. All right. We hope that we will see you there. And as always, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been episode number 192 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. 
Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.